0: podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, November 17th. We're doing things a little bit differently this week. That's on me. Of course, we're playing catch up after we spent last weekend in Waco. And while that is a trip we will discuss at length later on over the next couple of weeks, of course, something we are super excited to be introducing over these past few weeks to all of you listeners, an episode we're calling Tennis Point Tuesdays check-in with our friends over at Tennis Point to talk about the latest and greatest equipment from throughout the tennis world. Of course, we talk about the results happening on the tour as well. And in order to do that, we have to bring on our friend from Tennis Point co-host of these Tennis Point Tuesday episodes, my guy, Nate Walrith. Nate, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today?
1: It's a beautiful Wednesday out here, Groskin. I appreciate you having me on again. Happy to run this back. Third time's a charm. I think we're going to have our best episode yet.
0: I love it. Third time's the charm D. It's the, it's the deciding rubber in the ATP Finals round robin, right? You win this, you advance to the semifinal stage. If not, we'll have to go back, you know, reset things for 2022. But of course, uh, you know, I want to get into uh, the latest and greatest products, of course, and we will be doing that here today. But there's been a lot of tennis over the past few mm-hmm. weeks. Next Gen Finals, WTA Finals, ATP Finals, tons of challengers happening as well That said, it finally feels like the end of the year. And it feels like we've been playing tennis for about 16 consecutive months, really since the tour resumed in August. Where are you at? Are are you worn down? Are you worn out? Or could you do another three weeks?
1: I could, no, it's, see, like, with your travel schedule, maybe I'd be beat up a little bit more. (laughs) I'm not on that Gruskin uh, caravan yet. But, no, it feels, it's obviously, it's a lot to take in, especially when you put all these finals in. But I'm, I, I mean, I could, I could live in, sleep and eat this stuff up all day it's been awesome to watch this atp tour finals getting some fast hard courts back in i know some of these guys say they're too fast but it just the tennis is much more appealing to me and seeing guys being able to hit the ball through guys and actually the firepower is on display and now i've enjoyed the atp tour finals a lot i love the um the next gen was awesome as well i love that they tried new things i listened to the atp tour podcast the other day and just like the director came on and talked about just like all the rule changes that they're willing to implement with, like, the shortened warmups and uh, the scoring, the no-add scoring, just to speed things up, to help fans, you know, move through his matches. And it really ultimately helps these players stay fresh in the long run. So a lot of good tennis. The WTA Finals as well has been fun. I was I missed on my uh, prediction with Bedosa. I was surprised to see her go go down to Spontek and then lose to Garbine. But Garbine is just so tough, like you said on the last podcast. So a lot of good results, so much good tennis. Alcaraz, that dude's the future. He just kind of confirmed what we had already kind of thought, completing his big time breakout season. Uh that quarter showed a lot of good things out of Next Gen as well. He looks like he's his approach to the tour and kind of going his own his own route with like you know, staying not taking wild cards initially and kind of just staying on the Challenger circuit and kind of brushing up his skills. And then yeah, the I mean, what Novak's done, we were talking about a little bit before the show. I mean, just ridiculous what he's put together this year. I got to ask you, what what is your most impressive stat from Novak this year that no one's talking about?
0: Well, I'm going to answer your question, I promise, but you said a lot of things there that I want to get into before, again, we talk about the latest and greatest products. Number one, well, I guess I'll answer your question right away because I want to talk ATP final Well, actually, hold that thought because we're going to Got talk you. ATP Finals at the end, but that's a good question, and I have an answer to it because I do think there are some just ridiculous outliers from the course of this season. We were just like, how is he doing these things? Mm-hmm. And as you know, my second home is tennisabstract.com, but... Um, you know, you started with the next gen finals, and I—I I don't want to say I took a lot of heat. I mean, the usual people who are going to take the opportunity to dunk on me, dunk on me. I see you, Mark Lucero, and it's okay because Mark and I are very, very close. <laughs> is, this Twitter, and so, is this a
1: Twitter beef right here?
0: No, it's—I mean, it's a fake Twitter beef. It's—I think I inspire those sort of beefs because I like to, you know, throw out the occasional outlier take here and there, but. what you know and shout out to Carousel who always likes to take that chance as well and it was an easy dunk because you know if you're going to be pro no ad scoring that is not the mainstream opinion as it relates to professional tennis at the same time I want to talk about that because obviously you and I are two guys who enjoy college tennis and for listeners Mm -hmm. who aren't familiar with the college tennis format although I imagine ninety. 3% of our listeners are, uh, you know, it's no ad scoring. And in that instance, it is two out of three set matches. And the entire match is played no ad scoring until you get to the 6-all tiebreaker. And as such, perhaps we're a little bit more accustomed to that format. We've seen the quality of tennis it can produce. Go watch last year's NCAA Women's Final. Tell me you didn't enjoy Patch Kaleva versus Lulu Sun as much as any match. You've seen the excitement, the anticipation, the sudden death points of it all. And again... The thing – it's a couple-fold. I'm going to break it down by points. I'll, I'll, I'm will I'll going to go through it quickly, and I promise I'm going to give it back to you. But point number A, wow, this it. is not a points-winning event. This is an exhibition event. This is a glorification, a celebration of what these 21 and under stars have done throughout the course of the year. And let's be clear. Carlos Alvarez has played over 60 matches over the past 11 months, and that's not dating back. He's a guy who played a ton of challengers, killed it at the challenger level, but played a ton of challengers down the home stretch of 2020. So, again, to the point, he has been going for 16 months straight. A guy like Sebastian Corda, who's had a bunch of nicks and bruises throughout the course of the year, and I don't think was playing with a full deck at the next-gen finals, that he made the final as a testament to how developed his skill set is and how his weapons stood out uh, uh, compared to the rest of the field. That's a separate discussion that I discussed on Monday's or yesterday's mini-break podcast. But, you know, again— For these guys, Nakashima's played a ton of matches. Holger Rune's played like 90 matches or over 100 matches since August. It's just nuts. Mm -hmm. Do these guys need to be playing full two out of three set matches? Do you want to really see three out of five? Well, how are we really going to know if it's not three out of five, a true test of wills and just this expenditure of strength? That's what tennis is all about. That's not what this event is about. This event is supposed to be a celebration. This event is supposed to be, as you mentioned, something different. And to your point... Just, you know, again, fast four format. No ad scoring. You're not killing these players' bodies. You are playing three out of five sets fast four, so you have to win 12 games to win the match. That's essentially your two-out-of-three-set match right there. It's also fun. Like... Here's the thing that frustrates me so much and where I think the argument for why if you're just carte blank anti no scoring, it loses merits if you make this point. It's, well, you lose the sudden – you know, you lose the slog. You lose the anticipation, the buildup. It's like, no, you don't. You know what's more exciting than a seven-deuce game? A sudden-death no ad point that carries that much more value. And again, I'm not saying play the grand slams, no ad scoring. I'm not saying even that you have to change pro tennis to no ad scoring. I am saying I am in favor of it because I enjoy, well, I'm in favor of incorporating no ad scoring, which they play in doubles, by the way, uh, into a singles event like this. That's supposed to be a celebration of the end of the year.
1: And I, I couldn't agree more. I know the NBA, I'm I'm looking it up right now. The NBA at the all-star game, they did a uh, yeah
0: the up to one seven I forget what the scoring thing is Elon called. but Let's play a the fast. Elon ending or
1: whatever. Yeah, it's the called. Elon end, which I loved. Like I think I that's it. really fun. I loved it. I think I think NBA fans who are like probably the most accepting of all these changes of any fan base. That's something that tennis can learn from because it made like it made the whole game so intense and it's like you're playing to like a score instead of these times. And I think if tennis can kind of learn to adapt just like the rest of these sports and I mean keep some of the traditions that have grown the game to where it's where it's gotten, but also be able to adapt because like you said i mean the number of matches that those young talents have played is absurd and i mean it doesn't give those chance to guys to work on their body off the court to kind of last the long haul we see our guys that we love novak Feder, nadal murray i mean these guys those guys are i mean they're outliers like most guys bodies cannot hold up through a 15-year career if you're asking them to play 60 plus matches so i mean to speed speed up those matches i think you get the same results i mean that you i think alcaraz wins regardless you play any best three best of five And it just creates a different um, format that fans can take in. I think in the college format is what I've always kind of thought tennis lives best under. And it kind of creates that atmosphere more than anything. So I think what the next gen is doing and taking these chances is I'm all about it. Well, just to build
0: off that quickly, to your point, Korda was the one seed. He won the event. Uh, Excuse me. Alcaraz was the one seed. He won the event. Quarter was the two seed. He made the final. Let's not say there was, like, some outlier result and no ad leads to some, you know, ridiculous amounts of parity. It does, I think, increase parity. I think it does, again, increase the value of any given point within the course of a match. But... This idea that, like, it's not real tennis. What about the next-gen finals wasn't real? Like, uh-huh. did you see some of the balls Carlos Alcaraz hit? Did you see the backhand out of the corner on the deuce point down 0-1 against Sebastian Cordo when it felt like he was going to make a move in that th- second set? And, you know, Alcaraz fights it off with a backhand pass down the line on a no ad point. You're not telling me that shot is more exciting than that shot hit at deuce? Like, get out of yeah. here. I yeah. I just, I, And, again, it, it's not a grand slam. We're having an exhibition event here supposed to be a showcase supposed to be a different environment for the fans in the stadium A you're keeping things under an hour and a half like if you look at Alcaraz matches I think all of them were an hour and a half or fewer B you're just increasing the excitement so why not experiment especially with an event like this now again we're not doing it at the Grand Slams yet. I know there's some talk about perhaps incorporating it at the 250s. I do think that's interesting. I do think, sure. again, Definitely. shortening the product for TV purposes is, well, that's a discussion for another
1: time. But, but I, I just don't get yes. the
0: carte blanche why people are just like, no, it's not real tennis. Like, that's just so fundamentally false.
1: No, I agree. And a shout out to the uh, next gen social team. I thought they crushed it on, on, on all their platforms and just really highlighting these players and showcasing show their personalities. Uh, they brought the Steph Bocek, uh from Serbia, the trick shot artist that's huge on Instagram, and they just let these guys show off kind of what they're about and behind, like, off the court. You know, the, getting to know these guys was huge, and I feel like I know these players more than I did a week before. And, I um, mean, these guys are, it was a lot of fun to kind of get to know. Your, and also, I did my homework. Sebastian Baez is, he's fun, man. This, I'm sounds, so,
0: this is what I was saying. Let's get into I, it.
1: I did my homework and I was like, the whole time I'm like, wow, I, I see it. And I'm like, I don't know why I never, I never really took the time to kind of get to know his game, but after a week now, I'm like, I'm, I'll be keeping an eye on this guy for sure. So, I love you know, the way thought- he moves forward,
0: right? It's yeah. just like, especially for that size, his ability to use his quickness. Uh, Schwartzman uses that fluidity, that quickness a little bit differently. He, you know, I don't think he beats you to the spot and tries to move forward as quickly as Bias did, particularly on this indoor surface. And to see that adjustment from him, I'm like, whoa. I, if, I didn't know you had that gear to you right. as well.
1: You can play hardcore tennis. Bias pushes his chest to the ball a little more, yes. uh, with a little more authority than, than um, Diego. And that's Man. the biggest thing I noticed is like, he's not afraid to kind of throw some body weight at the ball and generate the pace. So no, I had a ton of fun watching those guys. And I, I think that next gen is a great way to help initiate some of these um, new rules and kind of just new, new ways that we can showcase tennis and put it in a, in the best possible um, atmosphere environment and kind of format for, for fans as i think it ultimately benefits the fans and then it, it can give these players a longer uh career in the lo- like just being able to speed up these match- matches a little bit and have them last longer than have 20-year careers like we all want to see so it's I-, I think it's a win-win
0: team alcaraz team center where are you
1: oh that is i'm team uh man center really just did something to hurt guys that really has me but I don't know. Alcaraz is. I think that's the guy. That's, you
0: could say team
1: both. Like it's really. Is, both. I'm not. Yeah. Tough. Like I'm, I love both their games, but I just think Alcaraz is. If he, yeah, I don't know. That's hard. That that dude's ridiculous. I saw the stats you put out there and how they kind of compared to Novak Murray, uh, Roger and uh, Rafa's career at, at that age of 18. It's just he's at another level right now. He's what is he at like 70 percent of his matches he's won.
0: It's laughable. Yeah. It's, it's just, It's incredible and. Yeah, I think it's 74% overall, and it's like exactly. that, a lot of that's challenger stuff, at, you know, again, and now it's at the ATP level translating also, and it's just, yeah, it's it's insane. It's just center's,
1: insane. I mean, I love Center's game as well. Yeah, and at his, the same time, I agree. You watch Center play,
0: and you're like, well, that's a sure thing too.
1: I mean, he gets on the outside of the ball oh. with wings yeah. as, as clean as I've seen. I mean, he wraps his racket around the ball off the backhand. He finds that cross-court angle where you don't even think that he can generate that type of angle. And he's hitting guys like Hercotch, who's a a freak 6'6 athlete who can cover it almost the whole, I mean, and he's hitting these crazy cross-court angles. And then he's got just the flat ball down the line. He's got, he's only like, once he puts on some muscle, center's going to be scary.
0: Yeah. No, everyone's got the signature shot, right? For Roger, Mm -hmm. it's the plus one forehand. Doesn't matter how, you know, that serve plus one forehand, it's the signature shot. You know, for Rafa, it's just the rigorousness of that forehand cross, cross, cross line. That's the signature pattern for Djokovic. Anything on the slide, that's the signature thing. For Yannick Sinner, A, it's the way he unloads on an inside-out forehand. You're just like, oh, sweet Jesus. And B, I think he's found that signature on the run forehand. The way he hits that on the run forehand, cross-court short angle as a passing shot and he hits it, you know, against Tiafo, the one he picked up uh from his feet in Vienna, and he hit a couple of them yesterday against Hercots, and you're just like, oh man. Like he's just turned speed, twenty.
1: The racket speed is just absurd.
0: Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It just, and, yep. and I and think I have, all of these guys.
1: No, and it, and that's the that's the biggest thing I've noticed, is just like I was watching some Andre, I was I'm reading I'm rereading that the open book, and I was watching some Agassiz highlights. And you just watch how those guys, like I know the rackets and everything, the technology advancements, all that stuff is true for sure. But when you just look at how much more aggressive these guys take cuts at the ball at a routine rally ball level, it is unbelievably different. It's a whole different game than, we, than, I, than I watched as a kid growing up. Yeah. And the, the fast hard courts kind of, that's why I love them is it kind of showcases how much these guys are moving the ball around the corners. And these guys, the, the movement at the le- at, this, at the highest level right now is absurd. How quick guys get out of the corners and the tennis the tennis guys are getting bigger and I mean they're all like six three now, six four. And it's like if you're if you're six foot, you're like considered short now. So it's just the game is <laughs> has has been an evolution that I've been just it's been awesome to watch this. You
0: no, know, I mean the reason I have six locks to win Grand Slams in the 2020s. I think I've told you this list before, but Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, uh FAA, Sinner, Alcaraz now. The reason Felix is on that list still, when he connects with a forehand, it's bigger than anyone else's. You can put Sinner on that list. You can put Alcaraz on that list. Just the weight of that Felix forehand, the racket speed when he connects, you're just like, how do you do that? It really is one of those just, you're right, that's that's the quality all of these next-gen guys share, at least the special ones, is the racket speed they're able to produce. There are times when Holger Rune hits that forehand on the run when you're just like, oh, sweet lord, that's okay. why you were the world number one junior. I agree with you, and so... It was an exciting next gen finals. And, you know, again, I want to talk about the ATP finals at the end as well. But of course, it's Tennis Point Tuesday on a Wednesday. With that said, we got to talk about the latest and greatest gear. And something we always enjoy talking about here at Cracked Rackets, you know, it's got to be the shoes, as they said, to Michael Jordan. And as we all know, Tennis footwear is is very individualized. It's never one shoe fits all. And as much as you might like a color, if you don't enjoy the weight or the you know feel of a certain shoe, it's just not going to work for you. The case I always turn to, Ty Kwadkowski, who wore Adidas shoes while playing for Nike, Virginia. It's just one of those things where you stick with it. Even I think Djokovic Murray for a while were sticking with Adidas shoes even after they moved on. That said, we're talking top sellers here in 2021, Nate. Where are you at with the shoes? Where are we at from a technology standpoint? What's doing well out there?
1: No, that's no. Like you just said, the shoe market is in tennis is it's extremely. It, it's like a niche thing, and like everybody has their preferences and stuff, and that's what makes it cool. Because when you, like I like think last year I looked at the top three sellers, they didn't quite match up with the top three shoes that I felt best with on court. But this year, I think it's it's pretty cool to see our top three sellers are the top three shoes that I enjoyed the most wearing on court. Um, minus the barricades the barricades are a great shoe. those did not make the list the top three shoes of 2021 as far as most sold were the ultra shot three of k-swiss the gel resolution eight of asics and then the vapor nxt of nike and i think all, the, all three of those shoes are great we're going to get in each one a little bit um no and i started with the ultra shot three at the beginning of the year when it came out the colorways this is k-swiss's best shoe um, it's the best looking shoe it's the best performance shoe as far as a durability stability type um feeling that you get on the court with, and, and like your lateral movement you just feel solid all the way around it's got a great traction on it but it still allows you to slide and it's i mean like i said the colorways are great and you can on the tour you're seeing cam nori rep them and you're seeing Ila tomlanovich rep them as well it's a 15.3 ounce that's a very a standard 10.5 shoe on the men's side and i think it's just like the beach house uh, cutaway it, it just pops on the court as well so K Swiss, they made a splash with this shoe I expect more guys um, in the the juniors and um, even college ranks to to kind of rep it, is it's like, it it holds up. It's like, it's a tank on the court, but they kept the weight down enough to make it not too bulky. So I think that's a great option for guys that are looking for a high performance durable shoe. Um, And then next, gel resolution eight, probably the most comfortable shoe I've ever put on my foot on a tennis court. Um, Just the on, it feels like you, like it's, there's so, the gel technology in the back of the shoe is just creates that perfect comfort with like all the cushion they have, and your your heel is locked in, and and you can slide on these shoes as easy as any shoe. They're super smooth. They're light. They're the lightest shoe of the, of the top five. They're 14.7 ounces. So I'm a big proponent of the light shoe when I'm playing. And I mean, it's just the colorways are really nice on it. You got Guillaume Melfi's and Igor Svanke repping them. That shoe is like I've talked to plenty of guys that are rep. Like most guys are just wearing this around the house and casual shoe. It's just it's just such a comfortable shoe. Um, that's Maybe my favorite shoe of the year, and then lastly the Vapor NXTs. Uh, Emma Raducanu, uh, she wrapped my favorite colorway at the U.S. Open, that green and white. It's the heaviest shoe of the bunch. It's 16 ounces, out of 10 and a half. But this court, the the traction is with uh, with the, with the uh, herringbone outsole. It gives you that great grip, but still allows you plenty of slide potential for aggressive movers. Uh, it's got a tough plastic in the high wear and the medial um, part of the shoe, so it holds up pretty well compared to uh, most of these shoes. And then the comfort is. Uh, at the top of the line as well. So those are the three shoes that um, Tennis Point um, saw, saw most of our juniors and uh, our club players rep this year. I thought that was just an interesting way to uh, kind of highlight the rest of the shoes of 2021 is they actually do match up with the shoes that a lot of players I've talked to um, enjoy playing at the uh, as far as a performance and durability standpoint. So uh, what 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 is Gruskin playing with right now on the court?
0: Oh, I mean, I'm very basic. I'm a Nike man through and through. Once I caught the itch, that's just – it's just what I was working with. Um, It's interesting. I want to start with the K-Swiss, and again, I want to speak candidly. You know, K-Swiss is the brand of your father. Like that is the perception of it, and I say that lovingly. I'm not trying to say, again, the latest products are not because I do think they're making a push, right? It does feel like they have revolutionized, certainly from a design standpoint – Uh, what they're going with now from the shoe standpoint you you sort of talked about the sturdiness of it and again from a weight you know from a weight standpoint you use some numbers and some of them i won't I go over my head because i'm like oh 10 a shoe sure makes sense but you know again talk me through that because when i think k-swiss i do think you know classic all white maybe a streak of black in there again i can see it on the foot of my father um but i also think a shoe that's not always the most flexible that's no longer the case
1: no and i think that's that is um the only knock that i would have on the ultra shot three is like you just said is it does lack that flexibility of that the resolution and the uh, vapor nxt have i think the resolution is the most flex which is why i like it and it's light and it's still very durable which is i don't know how asics does it but um ultra shot three is it's a it's probably the most durable shoe besides the cage four that i've worn this year Uh, actually the barricade is up there as well those those are the three probably most durable shoes as far as in a performance level you can probably get five, six, seven matches out of that, uh, and it looks pretty new. But the, uh, the stiffness is the only thing that, and that's a thing that some people prefer Some people like to feel like they're locked in their, their foot's not moving around and it's, but, um, like you said, that's the only thing that, that I've noticed that they've, they have shoes like the, uh, express that have more flexibility, but this ultra shot three is, um, it's more built for the, it's comfort, the stability, the durability and it's able to last and um you look at Cam Nori and Ayla Tamanovitch as how they move on the court it kind of makes sense but um no, no good shoes these,
0: for the ankles it feels like they are yeah, good shoes for, sure. for the ankles no doubt And
1: yeah I, again I if you're that not Swiss a good looking shoe like it's a good looking shoe like that's yeah. the thing that like for me to, to wear a shoe first and foremost it has to look cool <laughs> and then i'm going in with with how it feels on court and i this is like the first shoe in a while that like with Case West that i'm like all right, i actually like feel like this looks pretty cool on court
0: Yeah, no, I mean, again, it's it's tough to say. Um, You know, again, the easiest thing for any of you listeners can do because it's the podcast medium, go to tennis-point.com right now. You can see all of these brands for yourself. I mean, I agree. It feels like, again, if you're someone who's maybe not playing every given day, you know, someone who's in the thick of it because at that point, if you're in the thick of it playing every day, you probably have ankles you don't have to worry about because you're just in tennis shape. Maybe that's not when you move the, make the K-Swiss move, although maybe you are someone, again, who needs that stirrabil- uh, sturdiness, who needs that durability, who just wants to be out there, be comfortable. Then this is the shoe for you. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, performance is going to carry over from time to time. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about ASICs because the more – that's the one that I think is slowly you – know, gra- you know, the tentacles are putting their claws in to the junior levels, to the college mm-hmm. levels. You see a lot of ASIC shoes of late Nate.
1: Yeah, the, the, the gel resolution, as well as the court FFs that Novak's wearing are two of the best performance shoes to hit the market in a while, in my opinion. I mean, I've, I'm not tested every shoe, but the last few years, I've definitely been put myself in a fair amount of them. And that is like, people used to always hype up Adidas, uh, ASICs to me, but I was like pretty much stuck on Adidas. Mm-hmm. And then re- like about a year and a half ago, I was like, I got to try it. Like, what, what is all the hype about? And it is the smoothest shoe that I've put on the ASICs gel resolution eight. Uh, it's just, they got plenty of cushion in them. They've got the the outerwear is is durable and it's kind of, the, it's a stable feeling that it's got the sock like fit. It's just nice and tight around your foot. So you don't feel like you're sliding around at all in there. And the gel technology that they put in these, it it really, I mean, it does make a difference. It really, it's just, I, I think it might be the best tennis shoe to come out in the last decade. I don't know. I think the, the Asics is making a heavy push with this. And I mean, yeah, you look at guy on like how he moves, the fact that these are holding up with the way he slides on the court and stuff, and the and like the, they still have the flexibility that you want in your shoe. On, I mean, that's pretty pretty miraculous, especially keeping the weight at fourteen point seven ounces, which is a very light shoe.
0: Yeah, it feels like you have to be a good athlete to use an
1: No, it makes you faster. I'm convinced that I'm faster in the Gel Resolution Eight. I'm getting every drop shot. I'm getting through the ball now.
0: No, that's all you can ask for. And again, it's a comfort level. You know, some people it's the wider shoe, some people it's the longer shoe, whatever it may be, but. Yeah, I mean, you watch Novak Djokovic guy almost he's sliding a shoe. If it can hold up on them, certainly you imagine it will exactly. hold up on someone who's three and a half seconds slower coming out of the blocks like me. But, you know, again, and, uh, run me through the details, shoe number three, because uh, I know it, I just want to make the, the clear picture here. So we've got K-Swiss, we've got A6. Give me my third shoe, third highest seller.
1: Got the Nike Court React Vapor NXTs. Uh, you brought is the one that everybody probably knows wearing it. The green and white I thought was super clean. It's it's got the like the renowned thing is the herringbone outsole, which gives you like a great traction grip to the court, but it doesn't give you any uh, trouble. Like it doesn't resist any of the sliding potential that these players have. And that's how movers I feel like these days are um, much more aggressive and learning how to slide on hard courts is a big part of the game now. So that's a shoe that's high performance. it's just I think that it, like when you're especially when you're like you're jumping in you just feel super stable in that shoe I know it's the heaviest shoe of all which is like that my big knock on it but it's a, a shoe that you're seeing at the uh a lot in the juniors a lot in the juniors are wearing it I couldn't even I couldn't even find one of the ATP guys that is repping it most of the re, most of the ATP are wearing the uh, Vapor Pros mm-hmm. which is I mean that's like Chuck Ovalov, Carlos um bunch of these guys but um the NXT is a very good uh, intermediate to junior shoe i would say and it's the colorways are sweet i think this is why that's where nike wins a lot of these battles is the the color variation and they've always been able to match their uh, apparel very well and i think that's where they they win on this one is um it's comfortable and then uh yeah the the traction and the comfort are are big aspect there as well
0: yeah i mean My only concern ever with Nike, the older I've gotten, is I just feel like I'm not good enough to wear it anymore. Like, especially (laughs) some of, like, the shirts and the shorts. I'm like, you understand... When someone sees my forehand, well, first of all, when the majority of the population sees the forehand, they'll still think, "Oh, yeah, he's pretty good." But just internally, I'm like, I can't wear that color pattern. Like, I'm just, I can't do it anymore. I'm not going to do it justice. That's that's my only concern ever with Nike. Is sometimes they really take those big swings, and you're like, dude, unless you're top twenty-five in the country, you probably can't wrap that. That's
1: fun. And the only uh, last last tidbit on the shoes was I was watching. Uh, besties in cincinnati mm-hmm. and normally like you see guys change shoes and stuff where it's just like they're grabbing the same pair i've never seen anybody change from he changed from the uh sole court to the vapor pros in one match and then back to the courts i was just <laughs> i've never seen anybody do i'm like these guys are crazy so shoes do matter it's a huge part of the game absolutely and i've always found like it very unique and fun to kind of know why players pick certain shoes and because um, they're so particular about it, just as they are about their strings and their racket. It's just another big aspect of the game that, uh, that they, they, they take very seriously. So shoes have always interested me, and I'm super hyped to see what, what comes out in 2022.
0: No, my coach back in the day used to be a Prince rep as well, and that's how I got into the Graphite racket, and I still enjoy the Graphite racket. That, I don't regret at all, but there was an era where I was repping the Prince shoes, and I just, like, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm not a big... I'm not a big uh, aggressor. I'm very late you know i'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out of my way to you know he just would hook me whenever it was the rackets. he'd be like, you need new shoes as well, and I'm just like, perfect, that's easy. I don't even have to think about it and then I tried a pair of Nikes, and I'm not even kidding for like six months. I was like, oh my God, how am I gonna break to him that like I'm never going back to print shoes, not ever <laughs> and like not to be disrespectful to print shoes, but they just weren't for me anymore. And like, I agonized over that. That was a big, that was a big life point. That was a big life pivot. You better be
1: easy over there. I don't, I don't know if Rachel Stuhlman of top court listens to this podcast, but I think she just signed a deal with Prince Shoes. So you, we gotta be, gotta be careful.
0: Oh, I'm not, again, I used <laughs> it forever. I'm in. But it, again, I, did I not start with the graphite endorsement? Um, no, but,
1: it was a clean endorsement. It was a clean. Yeah, exactly.
0: Direction. I'm in on that for life. But, um, yeah, it's just. Changing shoes is a big deal. To your point, like you, I do think I got a full seconds faster when I was like, ah, I just feel comfortable. Like it just feels a little bit better.
1: Yep. No, I mean, that's, a, that's a huge thing. it's, it's a it's a, the psychology behind it, as well as I mean, a lighter shoe has always helped my game. I feel like I do feel like I'm am cleaner um, hitting my inside out forehand. I can get around the ball a little little bit easier if you, if, you, if you don't weigh me down.
0: Yeah. No. I remember on another side note, only time in my life I've slid intentionally and it worked. Because again, these hips do lie. You're
1: um, not a slider. But, uh, you look like a guy sliding over the courts, man.
0: I wish. I mean, I just never really. It's a story for another time. I, why I, I don't keep- do it? It's just a, it's a lot. That's that's not me. I'm a I'm a read and react. I'm an anticipating. A lot of whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's just again, it was never me. I'm just not that athletic, is the truth. I mean, I, I'm, whatever. Story for another time. Point being, the one time I did slide intentionally, clay court. It was welcome week. I'm not going to say what year of college, but I was a little bit tipsy when we went out to go hit. And I was like, no, but I'm in, though. Let's go play. And I was moving so well, so well. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try sliding out to this ball out wide on my backhand wing. Like, I'm feeling that good. We were playing on clay. I slide out there, and I feel my hip go. And I was like, oh, and that is why you don't slide, Alex. Never again. And, I and like, it was just like, oh, I'm like, yep, that. Nope, I'm not doing that anymore because it's just my body was not meant to be sli- to slide that way. At the same time, I, that is the most fluid, and I had a fresh pair of Nikes on when I did it. That's mm-hmm. why I tried it because I was like, "Oh, these shoes feel good."
1: Let, <laughs> last <laughs> note on the shoes: shout out to Lacoste. Taking they got Medvedev out of the Nike shoe this year and got him into the Lacoste AGLT21 that won the U.S. Open. Let that colorway he had on the U.S. Open was super clean. It matched his uh, the navy navy or the dark like royal blue shirt he had. I thought Medvedev looked really clean at the US Open, and we'll get to the, the best dress. But I think that was a, uh, it complimented his outfit re- very well. And later well, no, had that. a hell of a year.
0: I was going to say, let's get to it because obviously now that we have hit the end of the year, we've seen a lot of outfits, we've seen a lot of good yeah. stuff across the board. Give me your top three. Who? What are the ones that stands out? My, my list is very, very basic.
1: I gave you the one with, I think Medvedev at the US Open. I think that just looked like just very classy, like very Medvedev. It just fit his personality with the shoe i thought that was just a a sleek outfit um i'll give uh it's it's tough but i'll give he just retired it uh we don't sell it so that's a bummer but tommy paul's new New balance pink shirt with the uh, plaid stanwell rinko french open shorts i thought that combo was pretty elite yeah Uh, he just he won his first title in it at stockholm this two weeks ago now a week and a half ago Uh, i thought that was a very cool outfit just a new balance took took a little bit of a risk there it seemed to pay off you put a guy like tommy who he's got a good personality to kind of match it and got some swag. So that was another one that stood out to me. Uh, Novak's green outfit he wore at the Australian outfit, uh, the Australian with the matching shoes was pretty sick. And then lastly, I have to give Riley Opelka a shout out. The U.S. Open outfit, classy feel look complimented by the Tim Velair gallery bag uh, that eventually he got got fined like 15000 whatever for it and had to put the unapproved stamp on it. I thought that whole outfit was clean and the nice Wilson red bag with with and, and then he carries the sticks out on top of it Riley's just got a lot of swag so that shout out to Fila they, they they got back to like being that cool like a cool comp like they're cool now like Fila's back in they're in good standing I feel like with with these tour players and they've got a lot of talent on, the, on their te- team right now so Shout to Fila. Shout to Can Riley. Can you Polka. say
0: they probably thought, oh, we'll go from Isner to Opelka, and it won't be that different from a standpoint? <laughs> and it's like, no, actually, it's, it's so different. Because it's a Riley's lot different. gonna be Because Riley's like, hey, throw that shade of pink on it. Just like, just do it. Who cares? And yes. I cannot imagine John Isner being like, hey, throw that shade of pink on it. And exactly. it's, I agree with you. To your point, talk about a pivot. Like, it's a good in the tennis community to be associated with Riley Opelka because he is everything new and just oh. fresh in – you know, it's a fresh uh, uh, breath of fresh air for I would say tennis fashion. Certainly, it's just not what you'd expect your cookie cutter look. And you're right that that's a big win. I I would agree with that. I'm going to pivot on you here.
1: Not because, wait, real quick before we move on from Riley. Is it a rumor or is it true that he's dating Venus Williams? Oh, I
0: it's, I that I stay away from. I otherwise I, I like, it's just Pandora's box. I just body.
1: I, I, I keep seeing rumors about it. That's a pretty that's a power couple though. If you ask me, I'm just that's, saying we can move on. That's a power couple.
0: That I mean yes, that is Venus's athleticism and his height. Oh my God, that's a. I hope just it. Saying. I hope again. If a if a human is gonna fly, see, I think LeBron and Serena owe it to the world to have a child, even if not like a <laughs> loving child. But I just think in general, because if any human is gonna fly, it's going to be that child. And just like you know, we're the Homo sapiens right now. Let's be Homo serenus. And it's just like, yeah, that's the next evolution. I That's one of my theories that I'll stand by till the end. Um,
1: At this point, Tuesday, we're getting weird.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, you brought it up. Um, no, I know,
1: I know. That's a, that's a technical foul. So I'm going to
0: I'm gonna pivot on you here because I, again, I'm so basic. And for me, the answer is Nike. Like, I love the U.S. Open Nikes. And I like the, the harsh – again, when you're a good tennis player, Nike looks very, very good on you. Fair enough. My question to you: Top three college uniforms. So,
1: so you were I, like on the Fritz out. You like like the Fritz outfit, like the uh, the. Yeah, I think that works. Work. I always yeah. or just yeah, again
0: any of it. Give me that. Yeah, give me. I, I think Shapovalov is like the perfect Nike athlete. I, I think it fits yep. to a T. I think Tiafo in that re, in the red polo, like that's that's a good look. That's a freaking very very good look. It's just clean. It's very I like clean. It. Um, but top three college uniforms, best fits, you know, what are the, the teams that I think do it well? I know they just won the national championship. It's a little bit biased here. The, the Florida blue and orange, like, it's just a killer combo. It's a killer combo on the tennis court. Those are probably my favorite uniforms right now in all of college. After that, it gets interesting. It's not Michigan. I think the Ohio State black gear is pretty sick. I think they they wear that well. Ooh.
1: This is I'm glad you got on us on this topic because I was when uh, August Holmgren won for San Diego that one pops.
0: That's a good blue, that powder blue. That's, that's a great call there. That's a great that, call.
1: That that one pops. I think those threads are probably my favorite that I've seen in college.
0: Yeah, I, that's a good freaking call. He did rock it well. I'm trying to think. I'm going like conference to conference in my head. I mean Texas. I think when they go black tops and orange shorts, I know that's very specific here, but, like, that's a good look. It's a clean combo. Mm -hmm. That works.
1: Uh, Tennessees are clean. Oh, I I, I didn't want to be
0: too SEC biased. I'm glad you said it before I said it. Tennessees are phenomenal. And shout out to the coaches who have sent me some gear. I wear it. And my brothers, when I say my older brother took the Tennessee hat I was sent in, under 15 seconds he goes he goes what's that and he just grabbed it and i was like oh you can i get it's yours now i was like i'm not getting you a birthday gift and he's like perfect that's- this is fine <laughs> um and so yeah i agree i think it's super super clean
1: and michigan i think that's the the, the yeah i can't
0: say yeah, michigan Michigan's no clean. no comment because obviously but yeah i'm a fan I have,
1: um and blood over there
0: yeah <laughs> exactly um yeah, it's look. It's I. I would say if I had to make a three, Florida one. Man, do you throw San Diego in there at two? That was a really good call to. by you. I think that is number two. Although, have you seen the Ole Miss fits? Oh, Ole Miss is one I left short. I, go look up that Ole Miss. Oh, uh, because they're powder blue as well. But then you know they can work in the red as well with their Mississippi colors. It's pretty. Oh yeah, nice. Ole Miss.
1: Ole Miss. That that's. With the red Ascent going over that, and their font is clean. Yeah, it's
0: a good look. So they would be on that short list as well. Them in San Diego.
1: You, uh, you didn't think I had that one in me, did you? The San Diego no, one. But that was a good when call. You, when you guys were uh, out there at the Fall Nationals, I was like, damn. I was like, I'd never pay attention to San Diego tennis, but I will be locked in now. Got to make some contacts over there so I can, I can get my hands on one of those bad boys.
0: Right, I'll shoot you a number after this. Remind me. Um, yeah, that's a good call. Ooh. Oh, it's not Oregon, it's not Utah, <sighs> Middle Tennessee. No, I'm just going through in my head now. All of them, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I go Florida. I mean, you're noticing a theme here, San Diego, and then, honestly, no, I'm gonna go Texas over Tennessee. I like, I just like the intro. Although the Tennessees are clean, but I, I like the. T- I'm gonna go Texas over Tennessee. Burnt oranges,
1: yeah. When orange. you rock
0: the orange well, as those two schools do, it, it's a it's a good look for a color.
1: No, Peyton Stearns is. Obviously, uh, close to us, and we haven't followed her. And I'm like, every time they put out a new uniform, I'm like, damn, all these look good. Like, they, whatever that Texas puts together, it's top of the line.
0: I interviewed the Oregon men's tennis coach for something we're doing, and I was like, where are the combat unis? I was like, just every time they throw football a new shirt, just ask them to put tennis on it as well. And then just like, you guys rock that. And he's like, oh, you'll see. You'll see. Um, so keep an eye out on that. But, of course, again— I mean,
1: they got Phil Knight in their back pocket, so I, I would— I. I High expectations over there. We're not going to hand it over to them very easy. They they got to earn it. They got they got the guy to spend their pocket.
0: No, absolutely. And with that in mind, though, last thing I want to talk about with you here, ATP finals. Although you brought it something up earlier, and I want to get to my favorite stat about Novak. But WTA finals predictions. Not to pat myself on the back, but this never
1: happens. I'm pretty sure I picked Kanteve Muguruza. You did. You did. You for sure did. I yeah. You did. And I was like, damn. He he got two of them. I got. I was over. Westop, cut
0: the clip. That never happens. It's again when you least expect it. We'll we'll get him to cut the clip. But um,
1: Can, yeah, you've been like, on the Contevé fan the the wagon heavily.
0: Last year, and the problem is now I'm looking for the next class of people, and it's like Van Drusova and Teichman and Serebez Tormo. and I'm just not as in on them as I was on Sacre and Contevé and just that generation, that cohort, because you could always see it. In, I mean, yeah, she's just clicked. It's
1: crazy. She plays with a, a smile. She has like some – something about her is just like a lot of fun to watch, and it's refreshing. Yeah, you know
0: why? Because she's 31-2 and two in her last 33 matches. It's like, yeah, you're walking out there with a smile. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, don't worry. I'm going
1: to win. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, sure I'm going to win. Much easier to smile when you're winning at like a 95% yeah, It's a rate.
0: joke. It's crazy. And speaking of winning at that rate, here's a number for you for Novak Djokovic. Here are uh, again. You look at his season overall. I believe he's fifty-one and six right now. Overall in the year, let me let me pull this up quickly. I don't want to be incorrect, but you look for Novak Djokovic overall here in twenty twenty-one. Excuse me, fifty and six now. Overall on the yeah, guys, took his
1: one today.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's just freaking ridiculous. That's ridiculous.
1: He's got so 50, fifty wins in thirteen events. So, here's
0: my question for you: Since two thousand seven, in how many seasons has Novak Djokovic won at least fifty matches?
1: I, think I should know that, but I had, off the top of my head, I have no idea. Let's go with. Uh, give me twelve. All but two. All but two.
0: He's won at least 14? fifty matches, so twelve out of fourteen. That, or maybe it's now twelve. You know, might be thirteen out of. I don't, It might be thirteen out of fifteen. Point is, you're correct. Your number, your guessing there is right. Here's the what's crazy the, part. The what's two the he didn't so twenty twenty he, he had forty one he was forty one and five by the way, that means over the past you know two years he's ninety two and eleven. What are we doing here he's thirty he's over thirty three It's a joke, but so the lowest total he went thirty three and eight in twenty seventeen that was of course a season cut out by injuries you know again, he's been full time on the a t p two or played at least fifty matches in in every season he's played fifty matches he's earned at least fifty wins like
1: so we Every season, like, no, no, it gets better.
0: In all but two of the, uh, excuse me, in all but four of the seasons, he's earned 60 wins. It's just like you look at the numbers, he has won 84% of his career or 83% of his career tour matches. He's won 89 or 90% of his matches here this season. 89% of his matches here this season. It's just like, you know, again, age 34. There's only
1: 352 days in the year, right?
0: Well, again, he's age 34. He's holding serve 86.8% of the time. That's a percent above his career average. He's breaking serve 34.3% of the time. That's the third highest clip of his career, 2.1% above his career average. Ace percentage, 9.1%. That's a career high. First serve win percentage, 76.4%. That's a career high. Second serve win percentage, 54%. That's the only number below his career average here this season. Everything else eclipses the career average. If you use your eyes, he's not as good as he was in 2011. He's not as good as he was in 2015. But he still is that good. It's just like, and to see what he's done in Paris and the ATP Finals over these past two weeks, Nate, it's a joke. It's a joke.
1: While we're at it, do you have any of his stats at the net? or Do we have any net stats?
0: I wish, but need, he's gotten need, better,
1: like unequivocally. There's no doubt. Much, I, mean, I think with his, his, he added the drop shot, at the back, at the back half of his career where it's used at a much more effective uh, rate. And he's keeping these ridiculously good movers and athletes off balance consistently. Like he made Casper rude, like trip over his feet multiple times. Who's one of the smoothest guys out of corners and at the baseline. And he consistently made him look like he was walking on his own feet. Um, but no, no backs ridiculous. And I think at this time, like we can kind of put the big three in their, kind of where, where they are in history I feel like is kind of cemented now like Novak's the greatest tennis player of all time Rafa is the greatest te- the greatest competitor of all time and Roger Federer is the best style most enjoyable on the eyes easiest to watch like his game just looks most fluid like I think that's how these guys are if, in my opinion that's how they'll be remembered the best competitor the best tennis player in like the Michael like curious said the Michael Jordan of our game
0: yeah no it's um
1: it, it's... I don't like to put labels on things but like the best tennis player of all time, I think that debate can, like, we can we can put it on the back burner for a while.
0: Well, no, it's just like, again, it's, it's the different versions of Novak. He's continued to evolve and gotten better and better. And now, you're right, it's the incorporation of the serve and volley and his emphasis on the plus one ball. And just, you know, through it all, he still had this transcending athleticism, this fluidity that is going to define the next generation of tennis, no the doubt about it. No, it's just like... You have to be six foot six now to compete at the top of men's tennis because otherwise you're not beating Djokovic, and it's like that was the standard that was set over the past decade. I agree. Obviously, it's twenty apiece right now, and you know he still trails Federer in a couple of categories here and right, there. Right, he does for sure, and, and he'll, he'll never catch Nadal look. in some of those clay court categories. But yeah, totality wise, the again, board, as he- soon as he gets twenty one. It, it cools off forever because right. at that point it's just he's like, what, done. what numbers are you going to turn to? It's like, well, Rafa's one or Federer's won 59 tour final matches. And Djokovic has only won 40. It's like, yeah, but Djokovic has
1: won everything else. He's the guy you don't want to see on any given surface at any given day. Like that's, he's a, he's a problem on every surface. And I think that's where he's, he's perfected his movement on, on grass, on clay, on hard. And, um, no, and I'm a, like I've been a Rafa guy since I was, I can remember. And it, like, it's not like it's, like, I'm a huge diehard Novak fan. It's just, like, I got to – I have to say, like, what he's been able to do and continually to get better, and ha- he has different ways he can play. Like, you have – Rafa has to play, like, his, his style of match pretty much his whole career. He has, like, a very particular style that has worked for him, and he's dominated the tour for all these years because of it, and people haven't figured it out. But Novak can continue to kind of just, like, reinvent himself year after year, and what he's done to – his work of – his his body of work is just – now it's it stands on like kind of its own thing now but um no we I, I love watching this guy play at this level at this age beating these guys and like you you see him hanging out with these 21 year olds and 23 year olds it's just like wow he's still there he's still at the top and he doesn't look like he's slowing down at all
0: well he looked slow at the end of last year and he looked slow at the end of 2019 and he doesn't this year that's the <laughs> crazy part given all he went through that post us open break honestly that loss might have been good for him where it's like you know what I still have more to obtain. Like, I, I still have more to achieve. And had he gotten that, you know, reached the pinnacle, the, you know, calendar slam and have that slam be number 21 overall, A, no chance we see him playing these events at the end of the year. But B, it's just like mentally now, not that he needed it, but it reignites the hunger. It's just like, you know what? I got beaten and I don't like that. You know, no one it hates losing perhaps more than Novak Djokovic and so... Yeah, except for maybe Rafa. Rafa freaking hates losing. That's what's so enjoyable about Rafael Nadal. But, you know, again, I agree with you. He's just, he, if he plays this well, I mean, we saw what he did this morning to Rublev. We're recording this Wednesday at noon. He beat beaten him in straight sets comfortably. That said, Boss withdraws, Norrie's in, and Berrettini forced to withdraw, Sinner in. I actually don't mind what that does to the field because I think those guys are playing just as well as the guys they're replacing down the home stretch of the season Give me your. You get a second swing at the bat, and we're a couple of days in semifinalist, finalist. Any takeaways you have from the uh, from the ATP Finals? Hit me with them.
1: I'm definitely not betting against Novak. I know it's there's no, <laughs> no excitement in that pick. It just is what it is. You be. I feel like you're silly to go against what that dude's doing right now. Um and I think the other. Uh, I mean, it's boring picks, but Medvedev. I mean, I don't. I don't know how I go against what these what these two dudes have. Have done on hard courts the last, I mean Medvedev's last three years, he's first or second best hardcore player in in the world. I mean it's either Novak or him, and uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna go against either one of those guys. I know that's there's nothing crazy in those predictions, but I mean who who do you think? I think the question is like who's the guy that can throw this off? Who who, who can disrupt what these two dudes are doing?
0: I mean, first of all, I would put Zverev right up there. I like. Let's be clear, Medvedev beat him in a third set yesterday, and it wasn't a yep. pretty match, but it was 7-6 in the third. And I know, yeah, I just like... That people, match was
1: weird, man. I yeah, don't know what I, I
0: don't know why... Pe- the reason why I'm not ready to write that rivalry off yet is just like the matches are always weird. That's the clear thing is these guys get each other's head. And I do think anytime it's a weird match, you favor Daniil Medvedev, right? Because his game style is effectively weird. And I do think the flatness of his ball... You know, again, it doesn't sit up in the Zverev strike zone the way some of these other players do. And so, you know, he's willing to grind with Zverev. Zverev wants to be the grinder. That said, there were adjustments made from Zverev yesterday where he moved forward it, yeah. more. And just, obviously, he gets tentative he in the forward big forward moments. He moved
1: forward at weird like, times, though. Like, the, especially the, tie, the third set tiebreaker. I'm like, he's serving and volume behind second serves. I was just like, what is happening? And... um I think Zverev to to kind of redirect that rivalry is I think he's dropped the last five of those matches now in that that rivalry. He needs to figure out the forehand down the line. I mean, Medvedev is just camping in the corner, just like sitting on the ball. And Zverev somehow, some way he's hitting cross-court angles with Medvedev in that corner. But Zverev has to figure out a way that he can pound the ball down the line. And I heard uh, Courier talk about I believe it was Ivan Lendo was out on the practice courts with Zverev for a lot of these years, like in 2018, 2019, just having him just rope balls down the line and getting comfortable coming through that ball. And it's just not a shot that Zverev likes to hit. And when he does hit it, he's like four or five feet from the sideline. And it's just not going to, it's just not a shot that he can put guys away with. But if he figures that shot out, he's going to be a problem. And that's like, that's the next adjustment that he needs to make. I mean, he hasn't had the serve issues that he's had um, in the past. I think those have kind of, um, been solved a, a little bit um i mean yeah when he gets in these pressure situations the second serve drops to like 74 miles an hour but um i mean medvedev didn't really make him pay for it i think he was like three and no in second serve uh points when he was laying them in there but if, if zverev can find a way to get the ball down the line off the forehand wing that's where he can start to make his noise again because i i was in on this Zverev thing and then i just saw medvedev like he's like he's, he's kind of got him figured out like he did medvedev didn't play his best match and he still won. And, like, I think he even surprised himself with how he won that match.
0: Yeah, but I guess my counter would be Zverev should have won the match. Like, he had so many opportunities yeah. at the start of that third set. And, you know, it, the the tough part for Zverev now is he's likely going to have to play Djokovic in the semifinals. Although I do, you know, we saw the U.S. Open final. We are a semifinal, and we saw the Olympic semifinal. Oh, yeah. That's a matchup he's had some success in of late. And on an indoor hard court, certainly, that, and a fast indoor hard court, that seems to be where, you know, if Zirov's serving well, he can have the most success against Novak. I just think those three guys are on a tier of their own. Like, again, 7-6 in the third. I I know Medvedev not won right. the match not playing his best, but I don't think either guy was playing their particular best tennis. I mm-hmm. think those are the three. Now, that fourth one, I mean, it's a tough group because Sinner, what, well, Sinner now yeah. plays Medvedev. And if he wins yeah. that, he's actually 2-0 and oh, and. You know, we could have three two and one players, and then, you know, the 0 and three whoopie-hergots, which is brutal group for him. Obviously, they're both brutal groups, but who comes out of that other group? You know, Kasparud loses his first match to Djokovic. He's got Cam Nori later today. I believe that final matchup. match will be Ruud versus Rublev, which could very well be a deciding rubber. Give me your thoughts. Semifinalist, finalist, champ, name it.
1: Give me Novak as the finalist, as the champion. I'll, I'll put him up against. We'll, we'll go with Sasha. The one thing I was impressed with Sasha is, like, he's definitely improved his hands. Like, his older brother, Misha, must have done something with him on the practice courts because he's much more comfortable. His drop volley is a huge part of his game now. And he's, he's able to, I mean, yeah, that, that's a huge shot for him if he can come forward and have those type of hands. I know he clunked one deep. That surprised me because I was just talking about it. But uh, I, let me go with Novak. Let me. I'll. I'll I don't want to let you just like think that you just convinced me to go Zverev, but you might have done. I don't know. Huh. You well, might have done. I guess
0: Medvedev's the sure pick. It's just also though. I, could if Medvedev, by the way, loses to Sinner, like Zverev could not. I mean Zverev, because I don't know how they count the withdrawal and how that works in the games and the tiebreakers. But there's a world where no. Zverev doesn't even make the semis.
1: Sinner's got a very legit chance to beat Medvedev, I, I think, with how he, with how crisp he looked and how excited he is to play in his in his country. I think that's a big thing for him. And I, I, maybe the fans get behind center and Medvedev gets a little bit rattled. And I mean, yeah, but it's, that's going to be a fun matchup. That might be the, the matchup I'm most looking forward to, but no, I, I, say center wins that. I think, yeah, then you got Zverev as the uh, runner up and semi I, I Center's playing very well. I mean, I, I, maybe center. I, I'll, I'll take center. Yeah. Think center is that, yep. No, even though he got tapped in late. I don't hate that
0: pick. Let me just say that. I don't hate that. I could see a world where it's a Djokovic center final. Like, I know that's crazy. Some yeah, I. it could be fun. Like, that could be a really fun match as well. But, you know, again, up and down the board, super, super exciting. I'll take – am I going to take Djokovic to just win the thing? If you do, yeah, I'll take Djokovic. To beat Medvedev, I know that's very plain. I just think that's where we end up, and, not, and it's literally just because I'm going to take Djokovic to beat Zverev in the semis because I think that's just how the groups end up shaking out, and that that would be why I say that. But I do think we're going to get at least two, three set matches, and I think that's as tennis fans all. So, we can oh, that's all we forward. can ask
1: for. Yeah, how exactly. do you feel like? Do you feel like the tour has done a pretty good job of marketing and promoting this event and kind of putting it at a level that's um, a, a little bit above the Masters 1000s? Do you feel like it's it has the hype? It's tough to
0: say because, you know, again, it's so deep in the year. It's it's month number 11, and I do enjoy it as a celebration. And I do think they, you know, again, it's the top eight players in the world. The tennis sells itself. But it's a long season. It's a really long season. And so that, I mean, you certainly feel that, I feel like, at the end of this year. At the same time, you've seen the crowds in Guadalajara. I, certainly the night session crowd, Tureen. Yeah, I think they do a pretty good job.
1: Good. No, that's just. I was just curious I, because yeah. I didn't know if there was like some fan fatigue or if fans still had an appetite for this type of uh, tennis. And, that's um, the incident. question
0: that I would love to know the answer to as well. Is just how many people are tuning in. and it are is there, to your point, fatigue? Certainly, the diehards are going to watch, but is it just the diehards mm-hmm. watching this match? And how do you avoid that moving forward? I don't know. Maybe introduce no ad scoring, but no. Yeah. If-
1: and like that, I was just going to say that you still took the words out of my mouth. May- maybe this is another event that you still give the points for, but you start to adopt some of these things that are working out yeah. on the next-gen final. The
0: problem is there are points in play for this, right, there's and it's it, it prestige, oh. and so often you see a year-end race come down to this, or ultimately that's the goal, and obviously that's not the case this no. year, but that would be the pushback there. It would be interesting, though. It would yep. be interesting, but with all that said, tennis-point.com, promo code is CR15, top selling shoes you can find all of them there you can find every brand you're looking for any other things we should be aware of nate
1: no i think that that does it from our end i'm excited for this uh the rest of this t- the tour finals and we'll um yeah like i said we'll college tennis in the spring i can't wait for that too so lot to look forward to it's time to get organized and start seeing which which places that we need to be at in the spring
0: yeah, of course. And if you missed anything from our launch of our college contender series, you can find all of our conversations on the Great Shot Podcast, my interviews with coaches on the Cracked Interviews Podcast, all of that content available on the website, crackedrackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to the super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the event, f- any job they do day in, day out. Shout out. To our friends That's at Tennis right- Point as well. We're not there yet. Give me two more seconds, but I do need to know, Nate, social media. Give me the taglines. How can we follow you?
1: You can follow us. Sorry, my internet connection went, on, went a little bit just there. Um, you can follow us on tennis underscore point underscore US on Twitter and Instagram. On TikTok, we have taken uh, – we're, we're a lot more active on there now these days. Tennis underscore point, And then Facebook, tennispoint.com.
0: I That's, love it. Well, then, with yeah. all that said, for my co-host Nate Walrath, our super producers Fleekner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. Nate, what do we tell the people?
1: That's the break,
0: and we will see you all next Tuesday. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.